0: We've been on a journey uh, looking at how that uh, God has given us the opportunity to thrive uh, in life and in our relationships. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We, begin, uh, we began the journey in Psalm chapter 1. We end this journey uh, in Galatians chapter 5. And in some ways, they're very parallel uh, the way we began in many ways is exactly how we're going to end. Uh, now you might say, I, I don't remember Psalm One sounding anything at all like Galatians chapter five, and you would be right. But the the principles and the concepts of Galatians five are um, parallel to the principles and the concepts, the teaching of Psalm chapter one. Now remember what Psalm one said. Paul Paul wrote, and he said, I mean, uh, not Paul. Paul wasn't born then. That's later. Uh, David wrote, he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So as we look at Psalm 1, we saw that in order to thrive, especially in our closest relationships, we need to make sure that we delight in God and in his word. Paul, uh, in Galatians 5, uh, is saying something very similar. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul writes this. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to one another. So that you don't do what you know you ought to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So as Paul is writing here, he's, he's telling us something very similar to what David wrote. Now, David was writing about delighting in God and God's Word. Paul is writing about delighting in the Spirit of God and the the instructions and the the life that the Spirit of God leads us toward. Um, And we'll see how they they match up a little bit later. But as we're looking at, at Galatians 5 and as we're looking at Life and our, our relationships. How do we thrive? How do we thrive in the complexities and the chaos of relationships and life? How, how do we thrive? Well, Paul says, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, now, this is important for us because as followers of Christ, uh, we have the very Spirit of God residing within us. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says, but, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. And the Spirit of God resides within us so that uh, we live, according to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we live in immediate intimacy with God. When Jesus described the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 15 and 16, he said, I'm going to send, uh, I'm going to go away, but if I go away, that's to your advantage, he said, because in his going away, he then would send a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a defender, the spirit of truth who would abide with them. Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 6 that As followers of Christ, you are the very temple of the Spirit of God. What all that means is simply the the promise of the prophet Joel that we saw fulfilled at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is our daily reality as followers of Christ. You are indwelt by the Spirit of God. If indeed you are a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, and that's good news for us. It's good news for us because we need all the help we can get. We need all the help we can get, and God gives us all the help we need. He gives us His very Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, we have this simple principle that You probably learned in in your small group Bible study classes as a child, if you went to those small group Bible study classes as a child. It's a simple principle that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live victoriously. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live victoriously. He empowers us. Let me define the us right quick. The us are those who are followers of Jesus Christ. The us are not merely church-going folk. The the us are not merely creations of God. The us are those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have been uh, purchased off the chopping block of sin, who have been rescued through faith in Jesus, whose sacrificial death we saw as payment price for our sin whose resurrection from the dead we determined was our chance at new life. And as followers of Christ, when we repented our sin and came into relationship with God, God poured His Spirit within us so that then we have the power we need to live victoriously. Now, victoriously, let me define that a little bit. Victoriously is not living the way that would make me happy, happy, happy necessarily. Pharrell was among us, and he sings that song, Happy. I don't know how it goes, but that's what he sings. Actually, I probably do know how it goes because I have four daughters. But anyway, um, uh, we, we know that, that, that victoriously is not me just living any way that I want to live, but rather it is me living the way God wants me to live. See, that's victory. Victory is not me just doing life my way. Rather, victory is me living life God's way. And that's where we all want to be. That's where we thrive. It's where we delight in God and in His instruction to us. When we are living in intimate obedience to God, then we are like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Here is victory for us. So how do we get the power we need to live victoriously? How do we get the power we need to thrive as followers of Christ in our relationships and in our life? Well, as we look at this passage, beginning in verse 16, uh, we see that the first principle of of this passage is simply that that we uh, must uh, recognize that we have a battle that we're fighting. Every Christian here has a battle. And you, you and I do not mature out of the battle that Paul describes. Look again in verse 16. Paul says, uh, Walk by the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, or wars against the Spirit, and the, and, and the Spirit wars against the flesh, for they are contrary to one another. There, there's our battle. Yeah, you know this battle, don't you? I know this battle. The battle that rages within us between the flesh and the spirit, maybe, maybe I need to define those terms a little bit. Spirit, that's living life God's way. That's, that's, that's living life in concert with what God wants. That's, that's life in the spirit. Are you living your life in the spirit or not? See, there are no third options. You're either living your life in the spirit or you're living your life in the flesh. Live your life in the spirit, that's victory. Live your life in the flesh, that's not victory. In our relationships, if we would win the battle over the flesh, we would live in the victory of the Spirit. So, we wake up every day and we have this battle that rages. We, we have the flesh. You know, the Spirit is living life God's way. The flesh is every other way. See, when, when we push down what God wants to exalt what we want, we're living life in the flesh. And there's no third ground there. Again, there's there's only two options: either I'm living life in concert with the Spirit, or I'm living life in concert with the flesh. Now, I I don't want you to uh, be confused about this. We all struggle with this. I wake up in the morning, I struggle with it. You wake up in the morning as a follower of Christ, you struggle with it. So it's a common struggle. It's every Christian's struggle, and it is a struggle. When, when we were rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we became dead to sin. Isn't that good news? The penalty, the, the condemnation, uh, the guilt of our sin was crushed. We were forgiven forever for our sin. We were made right in the sight of God. We were dead indeed to sin. And that was a unique moment in the history of our life. It was was, was an unrepeatable event. Because of Jesus Christ, our faith in Him, we are dead to sin. But every morning that we wake up, we still have the battle to be dead to self. See, Paul uh, Paul described it this way. He said, walk in the uh, spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh and they're contrary to one another. Jesus, Jesus said, hey, listen, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and come after me. Now, what's this cross-carrying, denying stuff that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about A daily decision to die to self. Our our battle is this battle that rages within us. Am I going to follow after myself or I'm going to follow after the Spirit? One leads to victory, one leads to satisfaction, one leads to joy. And the other, not so much. So that's our daily battle. All right, so we have a daily struggle, but we also have a daily victory. Every Christian's battle is matched by every Christian's victory. Paul says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you want to know where our victory lies? As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. It's not me um, um, working so that I can can be stronger or more morally superior or any of those things. Do you want to know where the victory lies for me every single day, for you every single day? It is surrendering to the Spirit of God to follow after Him, to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means that I give up my ambition to live for myself and I pursue this great design to walk after and please God by doing what the Spirit of God says. Our victory is simply a victory that God is ready to give us every day if we will walk in the Spirit. Now, you can't walk in the Spirit and do all the things that you want to do. And and again, we don't like to hear that necessarily because we we like to do what we want to do. But walking in the Spirit means that we let go what we want to do. We die to ourselves. We take up our cross daily, and then we follow after the Spirit of God. We follow after Him. We we pursue Him. We pursue what the Spirit of God says, and we push down what the flesh says. We pursue what the Spirit of God says, and we push down what the flesh says. And when we pursue what the Spirit of God says and push down what the flesh says, then the Spirit of God will guide us and guard us. He'll guard us and guide us. And and that's what Paul wants us to see today and what he wanted his readers to understand, that if we will walk in the Spirit, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, um, how do you know if you're walking in the Spirit, or whether you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, how do you know which ones you're doing? You, again, remember, it's one or the other, not both and. You are either, I am either walking in the Spirit, or I am fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So how do I know what I'm doing? And, and, and the, the, Paul makes it really easy. It's not a subjective standard. It's not some subjective measure. Well, I feel good about my life, therefore I must be walking in the Spirit. No, that's not the measure. The measure that God gives us through His Word are two lists. Works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The way we know whether we are walking in the Spirit is where we fall on those two lists. And what the Spirit of God desires to do is He desires to guard us from the works of the flesh and guide us to the fruit of the Spirit. He desires to guard us from the works of the flesh and guide us to the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God will never, ever guide us to the works of the flesh. And he will never, ever guard us from the fruit of the Spirit. So we have this list that helps us understand and and, uh, helps us understand where we are in in walking in the Spirit. And you look, begin verse 19. I'm not going to detail these lists uh, so much as just kind of read them, let those things sink in, and then... And then what does that mean to us today? So verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. And by the way, what that means is uh, that they're clearly seen. They're not not foggy or vague. They're, They're clearly seen. For the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is saying, hey, this is the list that is contrary to, the, to, to life in the Spirit. You know you're not walking in the Spirit if you have any of these Characteristics in your heart or in your life or in your relationships. You know that you are not walking in the Spirit and rather you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Um, he adds this phrase at the end of that list. He says, Of which I told you before, uh, I tell you now as I told you in times past that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, what does that mean? Well, what he's simply saying is, if you pursue this list without any regret, without any, without any uh, uh, sense of I'm not doing what God wants, if you're pursuing that list without any kind of, of godly sorrow in your soul, then make no mistake, you're, you're, you're probably not a follower of Jesus. Because as a follower of Christ, you've got the Spirit of God residing within you who should be pinpointing. When you've got the works of the flesh eating up your soul. Remember, the Spirit of God is here to guard us from all of those characteristics. By the way, if we don't have those characteristics in our marriage, we're we're doing pretty good. Wouldn't you agree? If the Spirit of God, God guards us from those characteristics in our marriage, then the marriage is well on its way to thrive. So Paul says, now this is what it shouldn't look like. This is what your life shouldn't be characterized by. But then he adds, uh, beginning in verse uh, verse, uh, 22, 22 and 23, he begins by by giving us uh, where he's guiding us toward. He's guarding us against these things, the works of the flesh, and he's guiding us toward the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just say very clearly, there is but one fruit of the Spirit. And that... One fruit of the Spirit has these ingredients love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. All right, so uh, against such there is no law, right? And and so so there is but one fruit of the Spirit. And what that means for us is that if we aren't Hitting all of these ingredients, then we are not fulfilling, we're not exhibiting the fruit of walking in the spirit. See, if we're not hitting all these things, then we know that there's something in us that is leading us to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We've got to be hitting all the fruit and none of the works. Does that make sense? So, as we're looking at this, what Paul says it, the Spirit of God guards us from the works of the flesh and guides us to the fruit of the Spirit so that we live each day with. Uh, saturated by the love of God poured into our hearts that produces a joy that overwhelms us uh, so that we have peace with God but also peace within ourselves. We are satisfied with this this fullness of life and that satisfaction, that joy, that love moves us forward in relationships with others so that we live with patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and uh, and self-control. So those are the characteristics of a relationship with God that is right, that moves into relationships with others that are right. Can I, can I say this, and this' of kind of not sing-songy, but maybe a phrase that will help us, if we're out of step with the Spirit of God, then we are out of, out of tune in our life and in our relationships. If, if we are out of step with the Spirit of God, then we are out of tune in our life and in our relationships. And then the, the, the question is, well, how, how do we get back on, on track? What is it that, that needs to happen in my life to get me back on track? And this is, this is where the relational side of things helps us? How how do we thrive in our relationship? How do we allow the Spirit of God to to guard us from the works of the flesh and guide us toward the fruit of the Spirit? How can we have this flourishing life uh, and, and flourishing relationships? How does that happen? How do we thrive? Well, the first thing that has to happen is we've got to crucify. We've got to crucify the flesh. Look at verse 24. 25, and 26. The Apostle Paul writes, And those who are Christ's, or those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul says, If you belong to Jesus, then you're You've crucified the flesh, but but you've got to keep on killing the flesh. You realize, again, this goes back to the battle concept, but you realize when you awake in the morning that that flesh, that, that, that stuff that is contrary to what God wants, that is awakened as well? And we need to kill. We need to crucify the flesh with all of its passions and desires. In marriage, it might look something like this. You wake up in the morning, you and your spouse, and and you commit yourself to begin the day like this. You're going to have some fresh killing of flesh today. And perhaps you begin the day by praying Psalm 51.10 together. With this idea of fresh killing, you could begin with Luke 9, 23. Uh, Jesus, you have said, if anyone desires to come after you, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow after you. Lord God, we want to have a fresh killing of the flesh today in our life and in our marriage and our family and our relationships so that we are walking in the Spirit, not walking in the flesh You can begin with Luke 9, 23, and and then move to Psalm 51, verse 10. So, Lord, we come together as husband and wife, and we ask you, create in us a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within us. When we ask the living God, by His Spirit, to correct and adjust us as we begin. Then we're setting our relationship on a good course that day. Where the what is absent is the works of the flesh. We don't want those things in our relationships. What is present, the fruit of the Spirit. We want those things in our relationship. So we begin the day and we ask, Oh God, will you cl- create in our hearts a, a cleanness? Will you, will you wipe away the flesh? Will you again swipe that out of my life? Will you kill my flesh today? We crucify and then we conform. We make a commitment to conform to what the Spirit of God says. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Paul said uh, those who belong to Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're killing the flesh. And then he says, if we live by the Spirit, we will also walk in the Spirit. Now, he's not just repeating himself there. He's, he's, he's making two distinct statements. If we live by the Spirit, we will walk in the Spirit. You know, what's the distinction there? What's he saying to us? Well, if we live by the Spirit, he's saying you're making a commitment that every aspect of your life will conform to what the Spirit of God says. Every aspect of my life will conform to what the Spirit of God says. Now, if we begin the day in our marriages, in our relationships, and we together as husband and wife, we say, Hey, listen, today as husband and wife, we commit to conform every thought, every word, every feeling, every action, every attitude, we commit ourselves to conform everything in who we are to what the Spirit of God says and wants. Not only are we killing the works of the flesh, but now we are exciting the fruit of the Spirit within us. We've made a commitment. We're going to live by the Spirit today. We're going to be led by the Spirit today. We're going to conform. So in our relationships, in our marriages, if we commit every morning, Lord God, I'm going to crucify the flesh. Lord God, we're going to crucify the flesh. Lord God, we commit together to conform to the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. And you look at that and you say, well, my goodness, that that seems so hard. Now, here's what seems hard. That every aspect of my life is in tune with what the Spirit of God wants. Now, you just pause on that for a second. That's that's rough, because there's a lot in my life, and there's a lot in our life that doesn't match up automatically to what the Spirit of God wants. Have you ever had that stuff happen in your life, that bubbling up feeling inside, that you know that's not what the Spirit of God wants, but my goodness, you still feel that stuff, and and, and you would rather go ahead and just nourish and nurture and nurse that, that little feeling you have on the inside of you. But, but you know it's not, not, not fruit of the Spirit, and it, it coincides with work of the flesh. And, and, and so you have this battle that rages. And, and so how do, you, how do you deal with that? You make a commitment to crucify that flesh, and you make a commitment to conform to the Spirit, but, but, but there's still that, that feeling going on. Well, here's what you do. Ask for help. Do you realize that the Spirit of God stands ready to help? When Jesus talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send you the paraclete, or parakletos in the Greek. And parakletos is a, is a word that um, is, is an unusual word that has like tons of meanings. So that there are volumes and volumes and volumes of pages and papers and books written on what in the world did Jesus mean when he called the Holy Spirit the paraclete. What did he mean? And I've kind of tried to make it simple for myself, and I think it's right and true. I think Jesus said, take the whole range of what paraclete might mean in the Greek, and that's who the Holy Spirit is so that he is our advocate, he is our defender, he is our rescuer, he is our comforter, he is our encourager, he is our helper, he is our teacher, he is our instructor. This is the Holy Spirit of God who resides within us. And he stands ready to help so that we can conform ourselves to what he says and kill the flesh that wakes up every morning with us. Ask him for help. Today we need the Spirit of God's help. Huh? Don't we? That's why Jesus said, hey, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe that, that, that one of the things that, that perhaps we, we fail to do in, in, our, in our relationships, in our marriages, is, is say, you know, uh, hey, listen, I'm struggling today, and I need your help to help me. Ask the Holy Spirit to help me. I mean, sit down and say, Spirit of God, will you come and just superimpose yourself over this relationship? Will you come and take hold of me and my rebellious spirit and my stubborn soul? And, 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 and then your, 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 your wife will uh, say, Amen. We, we need to ask the Spirit of God for help. Are you asking the Spirit of God for help? He is the comforter, the encourager, the instructor, the advocate, the defender. He's the one that guides us into all truth, asking for help. And then finally, we need to follow his instruction. Hey have you ever gone to a doctor? A doctor gives you uh, and, and you said, "Doctor, I've got this pain and I need your help." And the doctor says, "You've got that pain. You've asked me for help. Here is what you need to do. And you hear what the doctor has told you to do. And you walk away and you do not do it. And you wonder why you had not gotten rid of the pain. Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. But guys, we've got to follow the truth that he guides us to. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 8 says, But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. You realize it's, it's not enough for us simply to have the Spirit of God residing within us. We've got to do what the Spirit of God says. We've got to follow His instructions. You might say, well, what are the instructions? The instructions are where we began this journey several weeks ago. The instructions that the Spirit of God gives us, the Bible. Do you realize that the Bible teaches us how to live? How to delight in God more fully. How to experience a flourishing life. Remember, blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. The key there is that we delight in God and in his word. Now, what is the word of God? Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God. Literally, God breathed. God breathed by the very spirit of God. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for, uh, for, uh, uh, for, uh, for what? What? All right, we've got reproof, we've got correction, we've got instruction in righteousness, but what's the first one? Doctrine, teaching, that's right. So, that, thank you. Wow. That synapse didn't work. Uh, for the word of God is, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction of righteousness so that the man or the woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Spirit of God penned the instructions called the Bible so that we might live thoroughly equipped. But we've got to do what he says. You want to know how we get messed up in our relationships, I think, in our marriages, is that we know what God says in his word. We just don't do it. If we would just do what he says, then we would thrive. We've got to follow his word. I know it's challenging. I do. I know it's hard. I live it every day just like you do. I live it every day. It is a battle every day between the flesh and the spirit. I feel like the Apostle Paul so often, as he wrote in Romans 7, uh, there are things that I know I should do, I'm not doing. There are things that I know I shouldn't do that I'm doing. I'm a miserable wretch. I, I feel that so profoundly, as do you if you're indeed a follower of Jesus. But we can have victory. We can thrive if we crucify the flesh each day, together in our relationships, conform ourselves to what the Spirit wants, uh, ask the Spirit of God for help, and then follow His instructions. Today, as we close the the service, I'm just going to ask you, bow your heads, close your eyes, and right where you are, you, you can come to this altar if you desire, but right where you are, Will you just talk to the Holy Spirit? If there's any work of the flesh in you, will you turn from it? Kill it, crucify it today. Will you ask the Spirit of God to excite in you, to awaken in you again the fruit of the Spirit? Ask Him for help and commit yourself to follow his instructions many of you have heard the the story uh, as it's been told of a grandfather walking with his grandson down a pathway and the grandfather wanting to pass on to his grandson some great truth that would help him in the days ahead told his grandson this he said son there two wolves that are living in my heart and they are at war with each other one wolf is vicious and cruel the other is wise and kind the grandson a little shocked more than a little scared looked up to his grandfather and he said granddaddy which wolf will win the war To which the grandfather replied, Whichever wolf I feed the most.